Turn with me, please, to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14 for a short lesson on philosophy, theology, anthropology, and wisdom. Acts chapter 14. The Apostle Paul has been preaching in the city of Lystra. He sees a man that's been a cripple from his mother's womb. He heals that man. And these pagan idolaters think that uh, their statutes, planets, and other idols are no longer going to be their gods, but Paul and Barnabas will be their gods. And so they attempt to make sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. I hope that you've already read the chapter from our preparatory email yesterday. But when Paul and Barnabas saw that they were about to be sacrificed to, they did not take the sacrifice nor the worship as some religions would take. But we're, we're told in verse 14, when they heard of it, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people crying out and saying in verse 15 of Acts 14, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you. And preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, and that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness." And Luke tells us by the Spirit, and with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. Those idolaters were about to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. But Paul makes several appeals here. I'm a man of like passion just like you. Why in the world would you be worshiping me? We have been preaching that you would turn from such idolatry and the worshiping of vanity, which is... Profitless, worthless, empty, nothing. We've turned, we've, we've been preaching for you to turn from worshiping something that makes no sense to the living God. We have a living God. We do not have a God that is represented by a crescent moon over a mosque. We do not have a God that is represented by a black meteorite named the Kaaba stone in Mecca. We do not have a God that is a fat-bellied, little, thinking, lazy, slothful Buddha. We do not have a God or gods or millions of gods like the Hindus. We worship the living God. And that is a blessing. That is a blessing. And so Paul says, turn to the living God, which made heaven and earth, the sea and all things that are therein. The implication being, I haven't made anything. Paul and Barnabas hadn't made anything and couldn't make anything. But there's a living God that created all things. And He's the one that is to be worshipped. He goes on to explain that this great God in His government of the world had allowed nations like these in Lycaonia to worship such idols because God did not send them the truth. He revealed the truth by creation. He's going to tell you about providence. He gave them a conscience. But he never sent his word to them, because he sent his word only to the nation of Israel. God in times past suffered you, or allowed you, and other nations, all nations, 
to walk in their own ways. If they wanted to worship a dog, they could do it. If they wanted to worship the moon like the Muslims, they could do it. God allowed them for thousands of years to do it their own way. But as we learned last Sunday in the Second Assembly, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, the Apostle Paul was a teacher and an apostle and a preacher of the Gentiles. A whole new revelation of God being expanded worldwide, and we should be very thankful for that as well. Or we'd still be worshiping our totem pole or whatever form of worship our ancestors engaged in. We might be gathering in Stonehenge to figure out uh, how to worship from a few stones that we set up. The Lord is good to us. Though he allowed all nations to walk in their own ways because he didn't send them a written revelation like he did Israel. He sent them creation. And then we're told here something that we want to learn. And that's why I called it an important lesson in philosophy, anthropology, and theology. Because it's tell us, it tells us about man. It tells us about God. And it tells us about how we should relate to our lives. Right here in this verse. Nevertheless, though he did not send a written revelation, though he did not send prophets, he did not leave himself without a witness. He had a witness and a testimony that there was a God in heaven that was the living God that made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and that he is good. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good. And gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. The exhilaration that you ever feel from food or from sunshine or from rain or from progress, success, a promotion, gain, profit. The exhilaration, the gladness that you get in your heart is a gift from God to tell you He is good and He has sent that to all men of every nation. They just never give Him thanks for it. And so He reaches down from heaven in the most holy and just manner and rewires their brains. He pulls two wires out and rewires them with a new wire nut so that they're sodomites. Romans chapter 1. They are without excuse And God hardens their hearts because they are not thankful. And He rewires them to do those things which are not convenient. That is the origin of sodomy. Because Romans 1 tells us that's the origin of sodomy. When men reject what He has shown them by His creation and His providence. God is good and He has left Himself a witness of His goodness. When you step out on a spring day and feel that warm sun on your skin for the first time in the year, what does it do to your heart? Does it thrill your heart? If you're a child of God, that thrilled heart ought to verbalize back to the Lord how good He is. When you eat a great meal and you feel that wonderful food, you taste the wonderful food God gave you, the taste buds. Listen, He could have had you drop pills down a stainless steel pipe. He could have made us any way he wanted to, but he didn't. He gave us taste buds and we have to chew it up, which means you have to taste it a little longer. You know, some of you eat so fast, we wonder how you taste it, but I know you do. But we have to chew it so that it's there being moved around in our tongue and our tongue has different sections on it to be able to pick up the salty, to be able to pick up the sweet. Why? 
because he's good. Amen. And he gives us so much to try. There's never been a generation that can try so many flavors as this one. Never. Not even close. Solomon's repertoire of flavors was nothing compared to yours. His confectionaries could have worked all day long with the three or four ingredients they had compared to what we have. You can have any number of spices you want. Solomon was a blessed man, but he wasn't blessed as much as we are. You say, well, I've never had, I've never had apes as pets like Solomon did. Well, then just go to the zoo where they keep them for you so it doesn't cost you anything. We are blessed abundantly. You say, I want to see a peacock. Well, Solomon had peacocks, but you can go see them as well. We're blessed. But God gave a witness. God gives a witness in a variety of ways. He created everything, and by that creation we know he has eternal power and a Godhead. Romans chapter 1. He then gives us fruitful seasons and glad. He fills us with food and gladness so that we know that he's good. Then he gives us a conscience, which is the candle of the Lord, for us to know right from wrong. Then he gives us scripture. Then he sends men to preach it. Then he sends his Holy Spirit to open our hearts to receive it. And do you know that you've been blessed with all of those? And most men have only been blessed with creation, providence, and conscience. They've never seen the word of God nor understood that it is God's word like we do. Acts chapter 14 and verse 17, God left a witness in the earth that he is good. He does good to men. He gives rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. When we eat a big meal and we, when farmers have a big harvest, they are very thankful. Uh, a farmer has to work all year for his payday. You work a week or two weeks or a month for your paycheck. A farmer has to work all year, and when he gets that big harvest, it, it fills him with gladness, especially if it's a good one. And God gave that, and God gave that by sending rain from heaven, because rain is stored in heaven, and God turns the spigot on or off. Amen. The Lord's in charge of that. And when he sends that, he can wash away land, as New Orleans knows, and as Burma knows, and the Lord can send just enough to give us fruitful seasons like he does here. The Lord is good. We want to be thankful for his goodness. We've been thinking about his goodness recently. Because the Bible tells us that we are bound to give thanks all way to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. And we want to continue in thinking about his goodness. The weather circumstances of the past week were marvelous. He held back the rain on Friday. He gave the rain last night. His great and wonderful choice. A brother recently visited this past week the San Diego Zoo and observed God's goodness and greatness in birds. And I wish that brother would find the other brother in the church that was once a bird watcher so the two of them could rejoice in God's birds. Because God made all the fowls of the air. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1 when he looked on his birds... He said that they were good. And the colors that God is able to put on a bird. We make fun of bird brains because of their little heads. But what beautiful colors God can put on a bird. He is good. The colors delight us. A hummingbird. What an aerodynamically efficient, incredible creature. We still haven't made anything like one. And we, we enjoy them. It's God's goodness. 
When God revealed Himself to Moses, it says He showed him His goodness. And His goodness included His mercy and grace and long-suffering. We don't have to stop with things carnal. We can look at all the things that God has given us. He's given us things carnal, and He's given us things spiritual as well. But agriculture is something Paul appealed to right here, because agriculture, without God's blessing of rain, turns to nothing but a dust bowl. You have to have water. And God sends it, as we read in Psalm 107. Look at Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus chapter 26. I've never been a farmer. I would like to fantasize at times, and I have, about being a farmer, because I could be out with lots of acreage, keeping me isolated and alone and some of those things that we sometimes wish we could do. But I know one farming farming is an interesting business. I've I've mentioned this to you before and I don't like repeating myself except repetition is the necessary for learning. Farming has a pretty high return on investment. You know, I I was trained and I spent my time in the world measuring ROI and ROA and ROE and various rates of return on investments and assets and equity. Farming's a pretty efficient business. If you take one kernel of corn off, do you think you've ever eaten a cob of corn and maybe left a kernel or two on it? If you take a seed of corn and put it in the ground and the Lord can combine dirt, sunshine, and water, you will get a stalk that grows if it's just Measly little sweet corn, six or seven feet tall. If it's field corn, 11 to 14 feet tall, it'll have one or two cobs of corn on it. And each one's going to have 16 rows of 15 seeds. So you've got a return of 800 to 1, which is a high rate of return. 800 to 1. And a farmer gets to put lots of those in the ground. But all of it's dependent upon water from heaven. And so the Bible tells us he gave rain from heaven in Acts chapter 14 and verse 17. And God has promised his people that he would do that when they followed him. Leviticus 26 verse 4. Look at verse, we got to have verse 3. Leviticus 26 3. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season. And the land shall yield her increase. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. I will give you rain at the right time. You don't want rain at some times. And you know the Lord knows that? You can look at a calendar and figure out that the Lord knows that. The Lord sends rain in due season. The early and the latter rains. To get the plants started and then to fill them with all the moisture possible for the ultimate yield and harvest. The Lord is good. And He promises He'll be good to those that walk in His statutes, keep His commandments, and do them. Look at Psalm 147. Psalm 147. The Lord is good. Do you remind your children when they're eating something good that the Lord is good? Because He gives us food and gladness in our hearts from a good meal. We have so much goodness and most of this nation is so ungrateful for it. They complain and whine. Even though we have more abundance in quantity and more variety and quality than anyone's ever had before. 
Psalm 147, there's so many places we could turn. Let's just look at verse 7 here. Psalm 147, 7, sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God, who covereth the heaven with clouds, who prepareth rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. He giveth to the beast his food, and to the young ravens which cry. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse, he taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. God is merciful and he is good, and he calls upon us here to consider and observe. If you'll remember from the last verse of Psalm 107, that 43rd verse, it said, Whoso is wise, let him observe. That means we've got to stop, look, and think about what God does in the whole earth with all the blessings that we enjoy. And here he tells us that he takes pleasure in us and he provides our agricultural welfare. You know, the Bible actually tells us, we've been here before, Isaiah chapter 28, the last six verses, tell us that the ability to know the difference between the different kinds of grain is given by God originally from creation. Man did not stumble upon it by trial and error. If he had to have stumbled upon it by trial and error, he would have died before his trial was successful. God gave that wisdom, and it's precious. You know, there's a certain way to cook things. That wasn't all trial and error. God gave that knowledge. Adam and Eve would have had a rough time. The first 400 years of their 930 years would have been very hungry as they tried to figure out what to do with various foods. God taught them. Look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103. You know what it says in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Verse 2, and forget not all His benefits. I hope you'll always remember the testimony of our brother Lou when he said the Lord has a decent benefit package when you follow Him. You know, many people when they look for a job want to hear about the benefit package. Well, Brother Lou said the Lord's got a decent benefit package. And here it's stated, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Because God has many benefits that He gives those who put their trust in Him. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. That's a pretty big benefit. Who healeth all thy diseases. That's a big benefit. And have you ever been in the hospital? Ever had health scares? And the Lord delivered you from them? Who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. You may have been destroying yourself, or an enemy was trying to destroy you, but God redeemed you. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. When you're famished and hungry, and you're given a good meal, is your youth and strength renewed? Does it come quickly? Oh, it does. Jonathan knew that. Jonathan was fighting all day against the Philistines in obedience to his father. And he found some honeycomb and he dipped his rod into that honeycomb and pulled some of that honey to his mouth. And it says his eyes were enlightened. Sugar on the tongue and under the tongue are in the bloodstream in a hurry. And Jonathan was enlightened. And the Lord does that for us. This is partly an agricultural blessing here in Psalm 103. There's the forgiveness of sin. There's the healing of diseases. There's redeeming us from destruction. But there's putting good things in our mouths. 
I'm not just talking about food today. But food is a big part of your life. You do it three times a day or more. And if you do it less, it's because you've, got, you've lost meals and you just eat constantly. So you don't really have meal time. I mean, there's no problem in America for a lack of food. The Lord's been very kind and good to us. Look at 104, since you're close by. Psalm 104, verse 28. Let's get verse 26. There go the ships. There is that Leviathan, whom thou hast made to play therein. These wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. That thou givest them, they gather. Thou openest thine hand, they are filled with good. Thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, they die, and return to their dust. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created. And thou renewest the face of the earth. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works And he loves it when we rejoice in his works. It doesn't matter whether it's a whale looking for its food. God opens his hand and feeds whales. Now, you may open your hand and feed goldfish, but the Lord opens his hand and feeds whales. And they gather from him. And all these things God does, and they're throughout the Bible. And Paul, in the New Testament, when dealing with idolaters, appealed to the living God, who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that in them is... And he sends rain from heaven and does good to us by giving us fruitful seasons to fill our hearts with food and gladness. That was an appeal that the apostle made. And we're working from that appeal to remind ourselves of all the good things that God does do, even in an agricultural way. His agricultural goodness should make us happy and glad. Are you thankful for the abundance we have? He wants us to be thankful. And the second service, the focus is going to be the gladness that ought to be in the heart of a child of God. Because joy is not an option. Joy is a commandment. We are to rejoice evermore. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 We are to rejoice evermore. And one of those blessings are all the natural blessings that we need that God gives so freely. Look at Psalm 65. Psalm 65, agricultural success should make us glad and happy and thankful. Psalm 65, I'll start at verse 9. Thou visitest the earth. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God visits the earth and waterest it. You may water your little flower garden. God waters a ball that is 8,000 miles through, 24,000 miles around at its fattest part. He visits and waters the earth. When it rains, don't be ungrateful that it's raining. Be thankful. It's wa- He's visiting and watering the earth right now. Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so provided for it. Thou waterest the ridges thereof abundantly. Thou settlest the furrows thereof. Thou makest it soft with showers. Thou blessest the springing thereof. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness, and thy paths drop fatness. They drop upon the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered over with corn. They shout for joy. They also sing. When you look at agricultural success, it should bring joy and singing 
into our hearts and out of our mouths because of God's blessing of visiting the earth and watering it. These verses are precious. He makes it soft. You know, in this part of the country, we need water to make the earth soft. There's a brother that depends on that. And the Lord does that. And he causes springing to come out of it. And you've seen hills before that are covered with flocks. Because the Lord covers them by them increasing. The Lord is good. Every time you see that, you just say, Lord, that is so good. I know that that is food and clothing on hoof. Standing there waiting for man to take it and put it on our backs and put it in our bellies. It's a great blessing. Psalm 147. We ought to praise him. Psalm 145 and 147 are filled with praise for such things. Psalm 147, verse 12, praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Zion. Psalm 147, verse 13, for he hath strengthened the bars of thy gates. That means he's protected us. He hath blessed thy children within thee. He has given us families. Verse 14, he maketh peace in thy borders. We enjoy so much peace and filleth thee with the finest of the wheat. We have such great agricultural success in this country. And the Lord has blessed us abundantly. And what what should we do because of it? That's in verse 12. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Zion. Even the king is fed by the field. We tend to get removed from the field in our nation because our farmers are too efficient. You know, we only need 1% of the population to be farmers. And they feed the other 99% who sit and shuffle papers. And so we get a little removed from it, but we don't, we forget that without sunshine and rain, we don't eat, no matter how well you shuffle those papers. Even the king is served with the field, the book of Proverbs tells us. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1 and see if we can't find God's goodness in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. We need to go quickly. Genesis chapter 1, verse 4. And God saw the light that it was good. Do you like daylight? Thank the God of heaven for it. Some of you may think that daylight comes too early every day, but thank the Lord for it anyway. Because if it was dark for two days in a row, you wouldn't like it. Say, maybe three. (laughs) The light is good. God said it was good. If God said it was good, it should be good to us. And if it's good to us, we should tell God that it's good. That's in 1-4. Genesis 1.10, God called the dry land earth. The gathering together of the waters called these seas, and God saw that it was good. Are you glad you're a man and not a fish? Are you glad there's dry land and not just swamps? You get to live on dry land. The Lord said it was good. It should be good to us. You know, we're not all that far above sea level. People live on the coast down there in Charleston, and they get extra for their houses, even though they're right next to the ocean. Because the Lord's put a strip of sand and said, this far... No further. And so they live there. Dry land is good. Verse 12. And the earth brought forth grass and herb, yielding seed after his kind, and the tree, yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Think cherries, brethren. A bowl of chilled cherries on a hot afternoon. The Lord made that. That cherry is nothing but a bunch of goo around a seed to give it fertilizer when it drops to the earth. If you're not around to pick it, put it in the refrigerator, chill it, 
eat it and see how far you can spit the pit. All glory to God. Chilled cherries in the summer are a wonderful blessing. God made it, and God said it was good. Verse 18. God gave lights to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. Do you like a pretty moon, full moon, crescent moon, sunrise, sunset? Are those delights to your eyes? The Lord made those, and the Lord said they were good. Verse 21. God created great whales. You love going to an aquarium and viewing every living creature that moveth in the waters, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Bird watching is a good hobby. Going to an aquarium is a good thing to do to see God's goodness. God said it was good. Do you look at it, and when you see it, do you say, Lord, you are magnificent? A jellyfish? Is it jelly? Is it a fish? What is it? He's great and greatly to be praised. Verse 25. I had to run over the hummingbirds. We're so late in time. I've Never mind. It's my burden. Verse 25. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. God made the lion. You didn't make the lion. You didn't think up a lion. God thought up a lion. And I like his thoughts. A lion's an impressive animal. He can roar and shake the ground eight miles away in the plains of Africa. An elephant's a neat animal. That's a long nose. And it's got fingers on its nose. Every one of those creatures God made and it's good. Some we look at and admire. Some we use. Some we eat. We get pleasure. Some we wear. Those of you with alligator skin shoes on this morning. We get to use them in all sorts of ways. And God said they were good. God is good. And he left himself a witness in the earth that he is good. And he gives rain from heaven and fruitful seasons. Filling our hearts with food and gladness. You can fill your heart with gladness at a zoo by appreciating all that God has made. Verse 31 tells us, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. It was very good. Everything God made. And so creation is something we should look at and think about, because everything in it, God said, was very good, and it leads us to see his goodness. In chapter 2 and verse 9, it's God had grow out of the ground every tree that is pleasant to the sight And good for food. God made the choice that the trees you look at are beautiful and that they yield precious fruit. Verse 12 tells us that even in the land of Havilah, there is gold that is good. And there's bdellium and the onyx stone there. You ever appreciate onyx or appreciate something made of gold? God made gold and good gold God knows is good. Verse 15, God gave work for Adam. You know, the work is good. To have a job is good. To have a job that you like is even better. But to have work is good. In verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And that's before there was sin in the world. God gave a job to Adam because work is good. God is good. And it's our portion under the sun. Verse 18. How about this one? And the Lord God said, it is not good. The first thing we've read that's not good. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. 
the good God saw something that wasn't good. So what did he do this time? Instead of standing back and saying it's not good, he said, I'm going to change it. It's not good now, so I'm going to make a woman that will be a help meet for Adam. And what wasn't good, God did make good because God is good. And we celebrated that on Friday night with a wedding, and you should all be thankful for that today. And if you can't get thankful for your mother, if it wasn't for God creating a way for Adam, you wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. Chapter 6 and verse 2. Chapter 6 and verse 2 of Genesis. No wonder the Bible says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, because the good God made wives. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 2. It says the sons of God, I don't want verse 2, I want verse 9. I want verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Even in the face of a general judgment, God was good to Noah and saved him and his family. And even if God sends a general judgment on this nation, if you are being faithful, you fathers, I'm speaking to you, God is good and can preserve you while everyone else is destroyed or afflicted. God is able to do that. He did it for Noah, and he did it for many others throughout the pages of Scripture. Chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, God is good. Genesis chapter 12, it came to pass when Abraham was come, verse 11 of Genesis 12, it came to pass when Abraham was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarah his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. And from this verse, we're going to then read about Sarah in the eyes of others. We're going to read about Rebecca. We're going to read about Rachel. We're going to read about Joseph. All four of them were good looking. And the Bible tells us they were well favored. Whose favor was it that made them good looking? God's favor. If you have good features about you, and everyone has good features, that's a feature from God. God gave it. All your features are from God. But any blessing you have in your features that are called good looks, it's because he's a good God. And he gave you those good looks. Look at chapter 15 and verse 15. All of us know about a few or many that have died younger than we are. Because we usually hear about those. We don't hear about those that continue living. They don't make the news. But we do hear about lots of funerals. Old age is a blessing from God. Genesis 15, 15, God told Abraham, 15, 15, Thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. Good old age. God's blessing upon Abraham. We want to trust his blessings. Look at chapter 18. The best dish I've ever had in my life, as far as the amount of flavor in it, is salt and boca de vitello, which is veal salt and boca. It's veal with prosciutto ham. And look what it says in the Bible to justify me eating some little calf. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 7. Abraham ran into the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it unto a young man and he hasted to dress it. That's the goodness of God. Now what if you had to let Cattle live 20 years before they, caught, before they got tender and good. That wouldn't be so favorable to a good restaurant. But notice, it's on the front end of life that they're tender and good. You don't want some old range-fed steer that's been wandering around for 20 years. You, you ain't got enough meat softeners in your house to help you that night. 
You want something young and tender. We all know that. We're all getting old, hard and old. But uh, here it is in the Bible. The word of the Lord is good. Look what it says about it. Ran and fetched a calf tender and good. Because it's veal. The Lord blessed that. You can like any kind of food you want. I'm not Listen, you can like the finest of wheat, and if Wheaties turn you on, then go for it. Granola? That, you know, we can probably scrape enough granola out of some Bible passages for you to rejoice in granola. But give me some veal. 24-12. This is something I and my wife are very thankful for, and a brother in his church and his wife are very thankful for from this past week. 24.12, the servant of Abraham said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. And what kindness was he looking for? A spouse for his son that feared God and would be a good wife for Isaac. And we had good speed, didn't we, brother? The Lord's been very merciful because the Lord is good. The whole point is, the Lord is good. And there's the goodness of God again. In providing spouses for our children. Look at chapter 30. Genesis chapter 30. And verse 20. Leah understood the goodness of God. And so did Rachel. Leah had and Rachel did not. A particular thing that is good. Genesis 30 verse 20. Leah said, God hath endowed me with a good dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me, because I have borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun. She knew what it was, a great blessing to have children. And so every mother here today should be thankful for the children that God gave her, because that is goodness. Remember, he sets him in families like a flock from Psalm 107. That's a blessing from God. Oh, there's so many more here. You say, what about your job? Is God ever good in the job? Well, Joseph once stood chained on a slave trading block. And Potiphar was in the crowd. And Potiphar said, I like that one. Give him to me. Here's 500 bucks. And he took Joseph home. And God was good to Joseph. Because he immediately found favor in, in Potiphar's eyes. And Potiphar put him in charge of all his house. And made him great so that everything Potiphar owned was under the control and knowledge and bookkeeping of Joseph. When circumstances turn to evil, can the Lord still be good to you? Amen. Joseph is falsely accused and thrown into prison and he finds favor in the eyes of the prison keeper. Because the Lord blesses those who trust him. Joseph was a righteous young man as I preached a number of months ago and the Lord showed his goodness toward him. How about health? Are you thankful for your health this morning? It's from God. Look at chapter 43 of this book. Genesis chapter 43. Verse 28, they're speaking to, the brothers are speaking to Joseph about their father Jacob. And they answered, Thy servant our father is in good health. He is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance. Joseph wanted to know how his father was doing after many years. And he was doing well. He was still in good health. That is a blessing from God. If you're in good health and able to function still, thank the Lord for that because it's from Him. When some men conspire evil against you, God can turn evil into good, according to Genesis 50 and verse 20, because the brothers of Joseph tried to turn evil by selling Joseph into Egypt, and God used him for their good. That is a good God that can turn evil into good. He gives us good from every direction. 
in our families, in our bellies, in our jobs, on our backs. We feel it. We taste it. We know it. We love it. It's with us. He overcomes our evil. He, he stops our chastening. He delivers us from the destructions that we have brought upon ourselves because God is good. And because He is good, we ought to be glad. God was especially good to Israel. Look at Nehemiah chapter 9. Ezra, Job. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. Nehemiah chapter 9. The people of Israel knew always that God had been very good to them. You know, even Jacob, when he went down into Egypt, what did he eat while he was down there? What did Joseph offer him and give him? What did Joseph send wagons full of in order to entice him to come? All the good of Egypt. The best of Egypt. There ain't much there, but the Lord gave Jacob the best of it. Canaan was a whole lot better place to live. Egypt's a wasteland today, except for a little tiny band of green. Ever seen a, ever seen a satellite picture of Egypt? It's entirely brown, except for one little ribbon of... I mean, not a ribbon, that's, that's unfair. One thread of green that runs from the south of it all the way to the Mediterranean Sea and gets a little wider at the end and it's green. A satellite picture of Egypt is very interesting. The Lord said he would turn it into a dust bowl and he did. They mistreated his people and they still suffer for it. In Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 25, it speaks about Israel. In verse 24 it says they went in and possessed the land. Verse 25 it says they took strong cities and a fat land and possessed houses full of all goods. Wells digged, vineyards and olive yards and fruit trees in abundance. So they did eat and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. Israel was so blessed with God's great goodness, all of it prepared for them. But when I sit and think, and when you should sit and think, we have been blessed more than Israel ever was. They've never seen olives like we make olives today. They may have had olive olive yards and olive gardens, but we have olives fixed in every kind of way from all corners of the earth, different colors, different sizes, because God has been good to us. How do we compare our goodness and God's goodness to us and His goodness to Israel? It's so much more to us. Did they have running water? Sure they did. In the stream that was a half a mile away. We have running water in several rooms in our houses. Did they have flushing toilets? Did they have ice cream? Automobiles. Air conditioning. Sweet. A stable paper currency. You say, I wish we were on the gold standard. Well, good for you. You want to carry a scale around all the time? We've had a stable paper currency. Oh, I know it's been devalued. It's pitiful what they've done to it. But guess what? The world still measures themselves by it. Don't ask me that five years from now. But the the Lord has blessed us with many things. How about citrus fruits? Do you enjoy citrus fruits? How about refrigerators? You like to put something in the refrigerator and use it again the next day? Refrigerators tend to keep the flies out. Freezers. How about pepperoni pizza? You know, Solomon never had a pepperoni pizza. That's all things carnal, and that list could be made indefinitely long. But what about things spiritual? 
They had a sacrificial system that all, all it did is condemn them and show them that they had sins, that they could never live in perfect obedience to that law. And yet we have the fulfillment of that whole sacrificial system in the Lord Jesus Christ. The salvation we have in Jesus Christ is the ultimate blessing and is the ultimate good. But we are bound to give thanks all way to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because not that God has sent rain from heaven in fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness, but because God hath chosen you from the beginning to salvation through sanctification of spirit and belief of the truth. He has sent us his word. He only sent it to one nation, and we are not that one nation, except in a spiritual sense, and yet we have his word today. We are very blessed. Look at Psalm, Isaiah, excuse me, Isaiah 55. I'm almost done. Isaiah 55. Look at the things he has sent us. And let's rejoice in them today. If you believe and are a Gentile member of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, it is because of God's goodness to you, according to Romans chapter 11 and verse 22. It is God's severity that he cut off the Jews for their unbelief. And you've been grafted in by faith. And he's able to cut you off again if you are not, if you do not remain in belief. But look at Isaiah 55. We're speaking of food goods. We have so far today. And now we're looking at spiritual blessings as we wrap God's goodness up. Isaiah 55 verse 1. Ho, everyone that cometh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money. Come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. And if you will go on down and continue reading, you will read about the goodness of God and the promises that are in Jesus Christ. That is the real blessing and the real sustenance for our souls. It's superior to physical food. Physical food is something we should give thanks for every single day. And every mercy of God and every creature of God. But most of all, it is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that He sent for us, who lives in heaven, who, as our brother prayed moments ago, is our brother and our friend, our Savior and our King, all wrapped up in one. And he's a friend of the judge. And when we stand before God, the judge of all, we'll have the son of the judge, the friend of the judge, our brother, representing us in court, in the court of heaven. Amen. We'll never be lost. We'll be saved with an everlasting salvation. He ever liveth to save those that come unto God by him. This is God's goodness. This is God's mercy. In the Bible, it's called his unspeakable gift. We can speak about all these other gifts, but how do we really put into words God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh for us, so that we would not be condemned for our sins, but He was bruised for our iniquities, and He delivered us from our chastisement, and He gave us peace. He delivers us. Where our names are written in a book of life, as our brother made reference, reference, that has our eternal inheritance in it. All the good things that are promised. But those things are not merely offered. They are certain. Because Jesus Christ died as a testator. No will. 
is of any value until the man who writes the will dies. Jesus Christ is the testator of the second everlasting new covenant. And he died and put it into force. And by means of death, all the benefits of the new covenant are ours. Because God likened it and compared it to a last will and testament. And Jesus died to put it into force. And the blessings of it are ours. God is good. We can start with something like rain. We can end up with heaven and eternal blessings. And everything in between is by God's goodness. And he is good and you should see it everywhere. When you see the flowers, God is good to give us such color and beauty. When you see the greenness that we have today that we didn't have yesterday because of the rain during the night, God is good because he's replenishing the earth. When you partake of the snack that we're about to have and it tastes good and it enlightens you after sitting here for so long, God is good. He preserves us and keeps us. He loves us and shows loving kindnesses to us every day. And we should be thankful and give him praise for it all. Whoso is wise, let him observe these things. Even he shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. The world that is on its way to hell is given so much goodness by God in his general disposing of providence. They have fruitful seasons and their hearts are filled with food and gladness. But we are his children. He has adopted us. That is far better than anything that can ever be imagined that can happen in this world. God has adopted us and made us his own children. And we'll live forever with him in heaven. Amen. God is good. He does good. Right. And it ought to put gladness in our hearts. And that gladness ought to result in praise to him as he continues to give us goodness. May the Lord be praised Amen. this day.